Hello, friend. You are listening to episode three of Leadership Becomes Her. I am your host, Becky Burrows, and it is my desire on this podcast to uncover simple, strategic solutions for Christian women who lead. You know, a lot of thought goes into a podcast title, and this one is no exception. Today, I'm going to share with you how I came up with the title and what I hope for this podcast to accomplish. I'll also share with you 15 characteristics of a woman who leads with confidence. Now, just like if we want to win in a race, we study what winners do. If we want to make a lot of money, we want to learn what millionaires did to make their money. So in this episode, we're going to look at some of the characteristics of confident people who lead. Maybe you'll find yourself in something you consistently do on that list. If so, celebrate that. Maybe this list will inspire you to make some adjustments in your style of leadership. If so, commit to that. At any rate, I hope it makes you think. Because confidence in leadership is a journey. It is not a destination. Want to know where you are on the journey? Let's dig in. Hey, friend. Are you a people-pleasing, conflict-avoiding leader? Is your secret relationship with fear affecting your leadership decisions? Do you want to learn how to build credibility and confidence or to navigate difficult conversations? Do you long to manage your time without sacrificing your family or self-care? Welcome to Leadership Becomes Her. I'm Becky Burrows, your host and a minister and life and leadership coach with over 50 years experience in leadership. I firmly believe God has given you everything you need to lead well. You have the toolbox. You just need to learn how to use the tools. So get comfy or start a mindless task. You know how to pause or rewind if you need to. Let's get started. So you probably picked up really quickly on the fact that the title, Leadership Becomes Her, has a double meaning. At a glance, when we say that something becomes you or is becoming on you, like motherhood or your new job or even that new dress, we mean it looks good on you. You're rocking it. And God has uniquely gifted women to lead, and we are going to explore some of those characteristics in later episodes. Even women who don't see themselves as leaders. Guess what? If you're a mom, you are leading those kids. Maybe you are the leader of your friend group, the one who initiates the get-togethers. Maybe you're the volunteer who accepts responsibility. This makes you a leader. And even if you can count the number of bosses you report to up the chain, if you have any people who report to you, Even if they're all volunteers, you are a leader. And there are many times when a leader at mid-level has additional challenges because she's not at the top. That's why there are a ton of books out there teaching you how to lead when you're not the one in charge. I would even argue that if you don't have anyone who reports to you, but you are given the sole responsibility for a task or a department, you're a leader. The CPA on staff who works alone, who is the expert when it comes to numbers and budgeting and nonprofit status, is the leader of stewardship of the church. She may not be empowered to make all of the financial decisions, but she has tremendous knowledge, responsibility, and sway. A church can't function without this leader. The staff person in charge of facilities who may work alone to ensure that the building is clean and the ministers have what they need in a classroom, that the air is scheduled and everything is in working order, may not see themselves as a leader because of all of those that they report to, but they've been given tremendous responsibility to get important work done and the church can't function without this leader. 
I recently visited a megachurch that had a large team of volunteers in the children's ministry, only they didn't call them volunteers. Each one had a t-shirt on that said, children's ministry leader. How true, how empowering, how team building. I was so impressed by that. Maybe that's the secret to their keeping such a large and enthusiastic team of volunteers every Sunday morning. They are seen for what they are, leaders. Church leadership is not just about those on staff. It's not exclusive to the elders or the deacons, the committees or the ministry team. There's no such thing as having too many leaders. Because it doesn't mean that everyone is trying to be in charge. It simply means that a group, a team of people, have accepted responsibility for a task or a role description and are committed to the good of the whole. The other meaning of leadership becomes her is that when you become a leader, it becomes who you are. Others will see you that way even if you don't see yourself as a leader. So my first challenge with this podcast is to convince you that you are in fact a leader. Leadership is not about power. It is about influence and we all have a sphere of influence. Leadership is also about responsibility and women have proven themselves to be uber responsible people. And then of course we have the leadership modeled by Jesus Christ, servant leadership. And there are a ton of women who do not see themselves as leaders because they prefer to be behind the scenes serving. But guess what? Someone is watching you do that. Someone is learning from you. Someone is modeling their servant leadership after yours. And that makes you a leader. After coming up with the title, the podcast needed a tagline. And there are general guidelines for creating a good tagline. How many words? Is it searchable, etc.? So when I described my goals for this podcast, I had a team of people behind me helping me come up with this tagline, Simple Strategic Solutions for Christian Women Who Lead. Someone on my team asked, why don't you just say Christian Women Leaders? That's a good question. Here's why I didn't. It gets back to that problem of some women not seeing themselves as leaders, not wanting to wear the title of leader because of the implications they have decided it includes. For example, I've lost count of the number of women who've said to me, oh, I'm not a leader. I don't like getting up in front of people. I'm not a leader. I like to serve behind the scenes. It's like they just don't want to call themselves leaders. So I decided that the phrase Christian women who lead might be a little less intimidating than that label Christian women leaders. So today I'm going to touch a little bit on some of the things that a confident woman does, and I guarantee you will quickly see that you don't have to wait until you feel confident in order to adopt the practices of a confident woman. The feelings will come later. In the meantime, you can start now by identifying areas in which you want to feel more confident than you do right now. Having confidence is a building process. It's it's a journey. It's not a destination. And I can say with great confidence as a mature woman with over 50 years experience in leadership, there is never a point in your life when you dust your hands off and say, I have now received all of the confidence in all of the things. It is not possible. It will never happen. So when it comes to confidence and leadership, where are you on the journey? Some of us are stuck on the journey. Some of us have taken a little detour and some of us are at dead ends. The secret to building confidence is to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep doing the things that you must do to build your confidence. It is not going to happen otherwise. So the question becomes, where are you on the journey? 
Now, likely you have areas in your personal life in which you feel confident, but for purposes of this episode, I want to focus on your professional life, your leadership. Earlier, I mentioned that when we want to learn how to do something, it's important to look at others who do it well and learn from them. So I have listed 15 common practices of a confident leader, and you are going to quickly see these are not hard. Let's look at number one. A confident leader gets her happiness from within. Some of us are driven by the need to please others. That's our nature. But a confident leader is content to please God. She is content with the giftedness God has placed on her. And she knows that those make up her strengths. And she accepts her weaknesses or her vulnerabilities as a reminder that she still needs God. She makes decisions not based on making others happy, but she does what feels right in her heart. She has an audience of one. Her sole purpose is to live in to the calling that God has pressed on her heart. Is that you? Number two, a confident leader has a growth mindset. She recognizes where there is never a point where her growing, her learning, and her leadership development are done. She will always have opportunities to learn and grow. And some of the best learning opportunities are disguised as mistakes or failures. But if you make a mistake or if something that you do fails and you can learn from it or you can grow from the experience, then it wasn't a failure at all because you took that mistake or that failure and you turned it into an opportunity to learn and grow as a leader. And because of this growth mindset, A confident leader doesn't waste time being defensive. She welcomes truth-tellers in her life, people who are willing to tell her if something isn't working or who are willing to reveal things that she's not seeing in herself. Does that sound like you? Number three, a confident leader guards her self-talk. We get into bad habits of beating ourselves up for our mistakes or our failures, our scarce confidence. We give our inner critic major real estate in our brain. We torture ourselves with assumptions and the stories we make up. Our limiting beliefs stop us before we even try new things. So a confident leader is diligent about talking to herself with the same love that she talks to others. As the saying goes, if you talked to others the way you talk to yourself, would you have any friends? A confident leader understands this and guards her self-talk. Number four, a confident leader possesses confident body language. In Leadership Boot Camp for Women in Ministry, which is a four-week workshop that Amanda Box and I do a few times a year, Amanda, who is a communications coach, talks about this, those nonverbals, the way we present ourselves, what she calls the pleasantly interested newscaster face. So many of us, especially as we get older, look angry when our faces relax. Amanda teaches in Leadership Boot Camp the importance of guarding our resting face. This also includes body language. The shoulders back communicate, I've got this. The importance of eye contact, the firm handshake. People are drawn to those who radiate confidence in this way before the woman who leads ever opens her mouth. Number five, a confident leader listens more than she speaks, and when she speaks, She does so with authority. Now, sometimes we mistakenly believe that because we are in leadership positions, we should be the first one to speak, the first to brainstorm, the first to give ideas. But it's actually better to wait so that people will want to hear from you. 
If you're always the first one, then no one ever gets the opportunity to wish that they could hear from you. It's much better for someone to say, well, we haven't heard from you yet because you're withholding your opinions until you've heard the opinions of others or you're withholding your ideas until you've heard the ideas of others. And by the time you do speak, people listen because you've waited patiently and you speak with confidence and authority. Number six, a confident leader exudes positivity. Now, we all have emotions and we all experience negative emotions, anxiety, and fear. But as leaders, we have a responsibility to exude positivity, which means we need to find our own safe place or person or situation to download someplace outside of our church or our place of work if we're the leader. Stuffing your feelings does not work. So maybe you need a trusted person or a counselor or a trusted friend or a spiritual director. I have a friend, an older woman, who uh, shepherds me. She's older than I am. She's a member of another church, and she's a steel trap. I've gone to her for years. I might say something like, I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you what I said or what I did, and you tell me how I messed up. And she does that for me. Everyone needs someone a safe place to go to, to download so that you can set that thing aside or put it on a shelf and go back to exuding positivity because people are looking to you as the leader to be a non-anxious presence, to be positive and to communicate hope. But let me just say this, being a non-anxious presence does not mean that you are void of anxiety. What it means is that you present as non-anxious, as the leader, because all eyes are on you. And you want to be that voice of reason, that calming leader. Save your anxious thoughts for that trusted friend outside of your church or workplace for your alone time with God. And when you are with those that you're leading, be a non-anxious presence. Number seven, a confident leader visualizes and celebrates her victories even the small ones. I practice celebrations. Every day, at the end of the day, I mentally and sometimes even verbally list anything and everything that went well, anything I did well, anything I handled well, goals I met, schedules I kept, hard conversations I had, tasks I completed. What are my wins today? No item is too small to mention because every win is a step forward and it only takes 2,000 steps to make a mile. So every step matters. Now, I've found that this daily practice goes a long way to keeping my mindset positive and my self-talk positive. But make sure that when you talk to yourself that you are your biggest cheerleader. You are in your corner. You are your best coach because you have been divinely appointed to this position and God is paying attention to how you're talking to yourself. You have an audience of one. Number eight, a confident leader prioritizes self-care. You know, the more I coach women in ministry, the more I hear, well, what is self-care? Who has time for self-care? I had a young woman tell me the other day, I am so sick of hearing about self-care, this me time. Godly women put their family first. So I think maybe this term self-care is overused and it means different things to different people. So let me tell you what I mean when I use the term. I'm talking about taking care of yourself mentally, spiritually, physically, socially, and emotionally, body, mind, 
and soul. It is no one else's job to take care of you. It is no one else's job to make sure that you put good fuel in your body or you get enough water or enough sleep. It is no one else's job to make sure that you have clear boundaries between home and work. It is no one else's job to make sure you guard your self-talk or that you exercise or that you take a Sabbath day each week. No one else is responsible for your continued learning or doing things just for fun. You shouldn't need permission to buy yourself a new outfit or to spend money on yourself or to take a day to sit in silence. No one else should decide if you need some friend time or go on a date with your husband. Take care of yourself. Think of your body as the temple of God. And as such, God has a vested interest in how you take care of that temple. It is the only one you will ever have. And how you care for yourself now will determine the condition that temple will be in when you're older. It will also determine your ability to continue to care for everyone and everything else, like your family and your job. So when you think of self-care, think about how you can care for your body, mind, and soul. You know, in marriage, we get so caught up in we, such as what we like to do, where we like to go, how we spend a Saturday that sometimes I gets lost. But if you also consider what I like to do, what fills my cup, what helps me, then you end up being more balanced and more available for the we. Here's an additional caution. Most of you are in a profession where you not only are pouring out to other people, but you are holding others' stuff, stuff they have downloaded on you, and you are carrying it in addition to your own stuff. So being able to download your stuff, as I talked about before, to a trusted person and taking care of yourself so that you are mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, and emotionally able to be present for someone else is absolutely essential. There is way too much burnout in ministry, way too much burnout with women who are trying to balance being a full-time wife and mother with a full-time job, and it's because we don't practice and prioritize self-care. Number nine, a confident leader acknowledges and celebrates other people. She confidently values those under her leadership. She understands that her role as leader requires that she's developing those under her leadership, finding giftedness and empowering them to use it. Number 10, A confident leader takes risks. She knows that growth and learning happen outside of her comfort zone. Your inner critic lives on the boundary of your comfort zone. It is the job of the inner critic to keep you there and to remind you just how comfortable you'll be if you'll stay there. However, all the growing, all the learning, and every bit of the magic happens outside of your comfort zone. The cool thing is, if you'll do that thing you're scared to do, if you will take that step outside of your comfort zone, your inner critic will scramble to expand your comfort zone so that she can continue to stand guard. And over time, you'll realize that your comfort zone has expanded and you're no longer afraid to do that thing you were afraid to do. Number 11, a confident leader sees mistakes as learning opportunities. 
She's not afraid to try and fail because she's already reframed mistakes and failures as learning opportunities. Oh, that didn't work? Well, how might I have done that differently? What can I learn from this? Number 12, a confident leader challenges herself. She understands she is capable of more. And if she gets too comfortable in her comfort zone, she'll never leave. If there is something she needs to learn how to do before she can do it well, she learns it. If she needs someone to teach her or coach her, she seeks it. And she doesn't do things the same way she has always done them. She's open to doing something new or different. Number 13, a confident leader is a master of attention diffusion. It's like the expression that a good leader takes all of the blame, but only takes half the credit. You're looking for others that you can give the credit to. You masterfully shift the focus to others. A confident leader doesn't crave attention or approval because she has an audience of one. Number 14, a confident leader asks for help. She knows that in doing so, she does not appear weak or incapable because she knows her gifts and she knows her vulnerabilities, and she looks for others to fill in the gaps. And when you ask someone to fill in the gaps, I encourage you not to say, hey, I'm not good at this. Could you do it? You're so much better than me. While that may be true, a more empowering message would be, let's say it's technology. You are so good at technology. You really shine at this. Would you consider taking this project on? Because when you ask someone to do something because you're not good at it, it makes it about you. You can't do it or you don't have time and anyone will do. But when you make it about someone else's giftedness, you are empowering them to use their giftedness. It puts the focus on what that other person is really good at. Number 15, a confident leader sets clear boundaries for her time. Now, this is essential in ministry, for example, because ministry is not a nine-to-five job. You are literally on call, or at least your church thinks you are. So what might this look like? Maybe you decide that once you leave the office, you do not answer the phone or the email in the evening or on your days off. Of course, to accomplish this for everyone on staff, it might mean having a minister on call for emergencies like a death in the family. I know some ministers who choose to be available any day and time, but declare one day a week to be their Sabbath, and they go offline on that day. No one else is going to set your boundaries for you. And if you demonstrate that your boundaries are invisible and always moving, then it's it's as if they don't exist. So you can't complain when others don't respect your boundaries. It is your responsibility to make sure you have clear boundaries and stick to them. You can do it in a kind way, but you are protecting yourself, your family, and your boundaries because there is tremendous burnout in ministry. Those are just 15 characteristics of a confident woman who leads. There are many, many more. But do you see yourself in some of those? That's worth celebrating. Did you identify some areas for growth that are needed? Excellent. Growing in those areas will take you further on the journey of leadership. But I have to say, the most important confidence to have is God confidence. Confidence of the way he created you with your unique set of giftedness and vulnerabilities. Confident of the way he has called you to lead. Confident that he is equipping you to lead. Confident that he is with you every step of the way and that he is your audience of one. So here's an action item for you. Make a list of areas in your leadership in which you feel confident and why. 
Maybe you'll credit your education, your expertise, or your experience. Maybe it was someone who mentored you along the way. Maybe it is the giftedness God gave you to lead and your commitment to leading in a way that brings glory to God and blesses others. Then make a list of areas in your leadership in which you don't feel confident and why. Give this list to God and commit to working on one thing that will take you further on the journey of leadership. God has gifted you to lead. Your job is to use those gifts to bring glory to Him and to bless others. Hey, my next leadership boot camp for women in ministry starts in April of 2024 and it fills up fast. Go to our website, leadershipbootcampforwomeninministry.com to learn more. If you'd like to get on the wait list for the one in April, email me at hello at beckyburrows.com. I want to help you build a solid foundation upon which your leadership can stand tall. We'll talk soon. It is my prayer that this podcast inspired you, blessed you, or made you think. If so, please share it with a friend, subscribe, and please leave a review. Hey, I want to connect with you. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Send me a DM or email me at hello at beckyburrows.com. If you are a Christian woman who leads and you are interested in one of my leadership boot camps for women in ministry, this is a four-week workshop, or becoming part of a Kairos cohort year-long group coaching, send me a DM or an email for more information. We'll talk soon.